the Houston Rockets getting absolutely throttled by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Carl Anthony Towns goes for 40, but Josh Christopher puts up an impressive 19 points. He continues to prove that he has been an absolute steal at pick number 24 of the NBA draft. We're going to break it all down. The Rockets struggles defensively. Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, all that stuff coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. As always, we thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Joining us now is host of the Launchpad podcast, as well as Rockets Safe Spaces on Twitter, one Don Knock. What's up, Don? How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. We just actually finished doing one of our spaces, um, so had a lot of fun there. I will say, uh, when I agreed to do this show, Jackson promised me that he was going to provide hair and makeup, and you know that did not come through. I had to do my own, so if it looks bad, you know he's going to take the fall for that. But with that said, glad to be here. Um, you know, it's been a long time coming. I think I was supposed to be on a couple times, and you know, it just didn't work out. But uh, you know, I've listened to Locked On Rockets since the Debose days when he would post the links himself on Clutch Fans. So you know, glad to be here. Glad to you know be part of the Locked On Rockets experience uh, after all these years. Yeah, it's taken it's taken way too long to get you on the show, man. I had prod on, you know, a month or two ago, like kind of preseason times. And I, I was you and I've tried to make this happen before. And I do apologize for the the hair and makeup not, you know, being readily available. But I figured, you know, being Hollywood Don and whatnot, that you would have your own hair and makeup team at the ready to, so to kind of I, take care of your every need. I am not home right now. I am remote. Um I'm in hotel, so that's why I needed it to be provided because I, I don't know anyone out here. So I was, you know, hoping hoping that Lockdown Rockets would be able to provide some some on location stuff. But you know, I, I'm not gonna hold it against you, and you hopefully we have have a great pod here, better than uh, the Rockets' performance tonight, unfortunately, against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Another really tough blowout loss for this Rockets team. You know, it, it's becoming a bit of, a bit of a concern the the defensive woes of this team they lose to the Minnesota Timberwolves 141 to 123 but before we dive into kind of some of the defensive struggles I do want to focus on who I think had you know arguably the best game for the Houston Rockets and that's going to be Josh Christopher I think that he has continued to show with with the increased role the increased minutes he's gaining the trust uh, an admiration of the Rockets coaching staff and he goes out on a nightly basis and he's just, he's an absolute hooper. Like the guy can go out there and absolutely get, get buckets. And I think it was really cool. Um, he and Steven Silas both spoke about this post game, but I, I asked Steven Silas specifically about Josh Christopher after the game and, and the growth that he had seen out of him. And so Steven Silas had this to say. 
you see out of Josh Christopher tonight, specifically uh, as a playmaker for that second unit? Yeah, so it's funny because before the game today, Josh came to my office. We were supposed to meet yesterday, but we weren't able to. So he came to my office and I showed him some clips of last game because he was really frustrated with um, the way he played or, you know, some of his decision making. So we slowed it down and I showed him opportunities for him to dribble through and he did it a couple of times tonight and uh, get to driving kicks where he's in the paint and looking instead of like singularly focused. And he did it a few times tonight. So that was uh, definitely gratifying and stuff like that is like huge where you watch, they learn, they apply and they feel good about it. And he had a good game. And he, he did have a good game. He had a new career high. So his previous career high, 18 points, um, you know, so besting that by one with 19, but finished the game, 19 points, three rebounds, four assists, two steals, did have three turnovers, sure, but eight of 13 shooting. And one of them was like, you know, just one, you know, a three that he threw up at the very end of regulation. So eight of 13 overall, two of four from behind the three-point line. But again, one of those threes coming, you know, very tail end of the game. Josh, to me, Don, has has really shown that he is becoming, I, I think, one of the absolute steals of the draft from, from pick 24 so far in his young NBA career. Yeah, Christopher coming in, a lot of people had the whole take of, this is Jalen Green's friend. This is someone that's being brought in as a, you know, quote, chemistry guy. I did a lot of, of scouting on Josh Christopher before the draft because he was someone that if the Rockets were to go with Evan Mobley, then you're looking for guards in that range anyway. And, you know, obviously they took Jalen Green and then took Shingun, so they kind of fulfilled those slots anyway. But they ended up still picking Josh Christopher. And coming into this season, you know, he showed some tools – um, the, everyone was talking about him as a defender. Co um, GM Raphael Stone comped him to Drew Holiday, which is, you know, big shoes to fill there. But in preseason and summer league, he showed some passing abilities. And I really feel like his time in the G League and then getting back into the, playing with the big team, that's something I want to see him build on even more. I think, like Coach Silas said, once he learns how to drive and still keep his eyes up, a lot of things will open up for him. He's so strong in such a big frame that he can get into the lane and not be knocked off his spot the way we see Jalen Green getting knocked off a lot. Um, the one thing I do like about Josh Christopher's game right now is he's someone that has a good mid-range package. You know, we see Jalen Green. He's good from three. He's good when he gets to the rim and, and, you know, can finish through contact and off balance, things like that. But right now, Jalen Green doesn't have that counter when he's going into the mid-range. And we've seen Josh Christopher hit a lot of tough mid-range shots. He has a nice floater. And I think that that's a nice – nice balance with Jalen. So you don't have to have Jalen getting those type of looks. If Christopher has the ball, he can go in there and do some damage from the mid range as well and open up things that way. And so those things I love to see, you know, Christopher as all rookies do needs to get a little bit better and help defense and being aware and things like that. But I think his on ball defense, you know, a lot of potential there, like I said, the good frame, the good size. And I think he has, he's very aggressive as a defender and he's a good in ball pressure and things like that. So, I think there's a lot of tools that he's shown so far and a lot of things that, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's a part of Josh Christopher's game that's really going to limit him. You know, it's not like he can't shoot. It's not like he can't defend. You know, he has all those tools available to him. So you know, that's why he was a guy at one point in time was a top 10, you know, prospect in the country. So big things th coming from Josh Christopher. We'll see what his role looks like after the trade deadline. You know, they may move off Eric Gordon. That may open up even more minutes for him. He's already somewhat supplanted DJ Augustine in the rotation. I think 
you know, people have said play Shingun, play Shingun, and, you know, that will come when it does. But as far as Christopher, you know, there really weren't as many calls for minutes for him, but he has played his way into taking those minutes. And so that's another thing that I've really enjoyed seeing this year from Josh Christopher, just the confidence that he's played with as well. Absolutely. Josh Christopher is not somebody that lacks for confidence in the slightest. Like he oozes (laughs) confidence. Anytime that we get a chance to do an availability with him, to talk to him, to ask him questions. He is somebody who is so sure of himself, so confident in what he brings to the floor, to the team. And even when he was, you know, talking post game, I I followed up and kind of asked him, I, I was like, you know, what, to you, you know, how, how, how much do you feel like you've grown from the start of the season to now? And and what is your main focus as you progress through this, you know, kind of now the back half of this season, as we're kind of right at about the halfway mark of this NBA season. And he basically said, you know, he's, he's very confident in his ability to score that, you know, overall just his, his entire game, you know, doesn't lack for confidence at all. He highlighted the fact that he, is really comfortable when it comes to creating off the, like with bounce passes and name, name dropped KJ Martin as somebody that when they're, you know, running the pick and roll together, that he can hit KJ with that little pocket pass, that bounce pass off the floor. Uh, but that he's, he followed up and said specifically, he wants to get better at throwing passes over the tops of the defense and, and getting those, t- you know, those passes over defenders heads and kind of reading things a little bit better that way. Um, but based on right, that clip that we saw from Steven Silas, right. That they're, noticing these things and Josh's work ethic is I think the thing that's really going to take him incredibly far in the NBA because he is a tireless fearless worker like he's putting in the time we've seen videos of him getting shots up after games at Toyota Center but be it on the on the main floor be it in the Rockets little practice facility off on the side of Toyota Center he's putting in the extra time for the film work reaching out to Steven Silas saying hey I'm, I'm frustrated I'm struggling against this like how can we slow this down and make things a little bit easier for me and I think that's going to do him wonders as he progresses through his career. Because like you said, there's not really a part of his game that you look at and think, oh, he's, you know, he's really, you know, struggling in this area. The one area you could maybe point to was his shooting. But that's something that even he said, I think I've really worked on my shooting. That that's, you know, been something that from the start of the season to now he feels much more confident in, much more comfortable with as a shooter. Somebody who can now spot up and be a reliable like three-point threat off on the wing as opposed to somebody who has to have the ball in his hands to be effective. So, we're, we're heaping a lot of praise on Josh Christopher, and for good reason. He was one of the bright spots in this Rockets game against the Timberwolves. Yeah, just one, one more point on Josh Christopher and his shooting. I think if you went back and watched a lot of the tape of him at Arizona State last year, you know they had this really kind of strange offense, and a lot of the shots he was taking weren't the, the most efficient shots. And I think this year he's done a better, better job at taking more efficient shots and – he can still, you know, create very well, you know, with some step backs and some dribble moves, but largely he's taking shots, you know, catch and shoots, maybe some one dribble type of pull-ups, like a transition pull-up three. There are shots that it's easier for him to get rhythm. He's not having to create from nothing. And I think that is another thing that's really helped him as a shooter, right? Because if you're going to get easier looks, those are going to go in, you know, at a higher percentage rate. Absolutely, without a doubt. So coming up, we're going to talk about the rest of this Rockets game rather than just focusing on Josh Christopher, who was the bright spot from this uh, blowout against the Minnesota Timberwolves. We're going to break down the rest of it, the defensive struggles as well. We're going to dive into all that, talk a little bit about should Jalen Green and KPJ be getting staggered minutes so that they can kind of each take a turn steering the Rockets offense. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. 
It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. They've got so many amazing flavors to choose from. Strawberry, mint brownie, cookies and cream, raspberry, coconut brownie chunk, my personal favorite. You can't go wrong with a single bar on their menu. Look, Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolution. They've got so many amazing protein bars to choose from, and their bars, like the... They're, they're actually good, right? They're not gritty or chalky like some other protein bars on the market. And you can check them out. Just visit built.com and use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off the very next order of the best tasting protein bars you will ever try. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day each and every day. Now, for your next listen, go check out Locked on Now, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to Locked on Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the new Locked on NBA YouTube channel. If you're watching this on YouTube, then navigate over there. You can watch Locked on Now on YouTube as well. Continuing our conversation with Don Knock, Hollywood Don, if you will, which I... Don, before we even hit the recording on this, Don was like, I'm, I have something to say about the Hollywood stuff. And I, he was like, I hope you're ready. And Don, I did come prepared for the Hollywood stuff because look at this. You're not Don Knock for the rest of this podcast. You are Hollywood Don for the rest of this podcast. So with that, let's... I love it. I love it. The, the, the Rockets defense has been... I'm going to be completely upfront. The Rockets defense has been abysmal. It has been some of the worst defense I've seen played in a long, long time. And it, it's, it is largely concerning because right. You had worries that this team was going to have some defensive issues, but at, at times, you know, it's just, it looks like a complete mess out there. And to me, I can't simply, there's not like a one size fix all answer to their defense. Right. Cause some people want to say, Oh, it's Christian Woods fault. Like he doesn't, you know, provide any rim protection in the middle or, oh, it's they're, you know, they're running out so many young guys, so many rookies, or you know, they're not playing the right combination of, of lineups and players together to, to have success on defense. But then if you do that, then you know, if you're running out all the defenders, then suddenly the offensive production goes in the tank as well. So there's not a one-size-fits-all answer, unfortunately. But I do think it's a little concerning that we're seeing this team slide as much as they have defensively in recent games. Yeah, you know, some of the points you brought up there, Christian Wood – the young guys, I think there's merit to those things. Um, you know, Christian Wood was defending better when the team was winning. Um, but again, one thing that can really help someone who's not a great rim protector is having guys that are very good at the point of attack. And so, you know, Eric Gordon, I think, you know, Eric Gordon may feel like he's on the way out because he probably is. And, you know, his defense has slipped a little bit in the last couple of games as well. Um, like I said, Augustine hasn't been getting a lot of minutes. Gary Bird defense is, is kind of in flux right now as well. He's, you know, not shooting as well as he was, you know, during the prime Gary Bird era, if you will. And so, you know, if you're a shooter and you're hitting shots, you're going to kind of be more, a little more juiced up to, to defend. But Tate is the one guy that really comes and brings it defensively every night. K.J. Martin – tries a lot defensively um still a young guy too and you know sometimes out of position but we haven't seen the kj martin you know seven foot block world tour that we saw last year either so that's just another thing to, to think about on that front but you know when it comes down to the defense defense is a team thing in the nba because 
everyone has to be defending, you know, on a rope, on a string. If one guy's in the wrong position, now someone has to, you know, fill for that guy not rotating correctly. And the defense can just break down so quickly, especially when, you know, you're playing teams that have this really big mismatch. So, for example, Carl Anthony Towns, right? Carl Anthony Towns went for 40 tonight. He really wrecked what the Rockets are trying to do defensively. And so are you going to send a double there? Now you have to rotate to cover the guy that was brought for the double. Um, we're going to play Joel Embiid tomorrow night. That's another guy you're probably going to have to double. So, again, can the Rockets fix that defense in 24 hours? My my guess would be probably not. But, you know, really defense comes down to, one, you know, having the physical tools to be a, a great defender at your position. And, you know, some guys on the Rockets roster do have that and, and some do not at this time. But the second part of defense is, you know, energy, effort, and attention to detail. And it feels like those parts of defense have just not been there for whatever reason. You know, the coaching staff just can't get these guys on the same page. These guys, the losing is getting to them and, you know, they're they're having problems getting on the same page from that aspect. But we don't have a, a long break until the all-star break. And so this team has to do something to try to get themselves out of this defensive funk, you know, whether that's, you know, benching guys that aren't defending and we're getting into that, you know, on guys playing garbage time and stuff like that. But, you know, the, the coaching staff has to come up with something because they just can't keep defending like this and, and, you know, think it's going to be okay because it really isn't going to be. And, whether they have a lot of roster turnover in the next two or three years or not, you know, you want to build good defensive habits. And this is a critical time, especially for Jalen Green, KPJ, um, Josh Christopher, and, you know, Shingun, who's not playing right now. But this, these are when defensive habits are, you know, starting to be built. And you want to see those guys learning those things correctly. Even if they're losing, you still want to defend correctly and, and build those habits. And so that way, you know, once the team is good and rolling offensively in a couple of years, they're not having to try to relearn you know, poor defensive habits or, or unlearn those defensive habits. You know, the defense is, is really, it is an area of concern. And I, I do think that there is, you know, some warrant to the concerns, you know, for the, you know, the list of reasons that I just pointed out for the ones that you pointed out just now. But I do think that Steven, it's, it's not that they don't understand that there's issues defensively. It's that, you know, collectively it's issues that then compound each other, right? Because, Sometimes it's it's one thing that then leads to another and it's kind of like a snowball effect. Like at times, you know, they'll make like the, they'll have like a good defensive possession, right? They'll have a good defensive yeah. possession. They'll get a stop and then they fail to get the defensive rebound, right? So that's like a flaw right there. Or they'll make the right read as far as like, okay, the low man scoots up and stops the initial drive, but then the ball gets kicked out and two guys are confused as to who the next rotation is going to be. Transition defense was a big one against yes. the Timberwolves gonna, in this I game. I was going to get to that, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Timberwolves had 31 fast break points. They were living and feasting in transition post game. They, you know, harped on that at, at halftime. Steven Silas went back at halftime and showed the players the clips of the transition buckets that were happening. And, you know, he said that he didn't really even have to say much because they understand what's happening as far as the, the fact that that's what's killing them is not picking up the right guy in transition, not communicating in transition. You see so many opportunities where, like one guy thinks that he has like the trail man. And then, you know, you see another player go streaking to the basket and then it's just a wide open dunk at the rim. And at that point, the, those types of breakdowns are largely inexcusable, even for a team that, you know, it does have a bunch of young guys, a bunch of rookies playing, but I do want to pull back a clip that actually is not from this game. 
but it's from the Rockets game Friday against the Dallas Mavericks, a game that they did also struggle in defensively. But Steven Silas gave a really detailed answer as to why some of their struggles uh, or where some of the struggles are coming from defensively. And that it's not just one thing versus another, that it's actually issues that kind of compound on top of each other. That's with the individual part, because if the ball is getting to the middle of the floor, we don't have the correct technique to keep it out of the middle of the floor, then it becomes the team part, which is really hard when the ball gets to the middle. If we are not letting the ball get to the middle of the floor, our help is built in along the baseline, it's a lot easier for the other guys to know what to do and to kind of react um, to that. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see how many middle drives they had tonight because it was too many. And um, that starts with the individual technique and the closeouts and the having the correct foot up and all of that stuff. And then um, they were getting downhill on their pick and rolls. We were trying to switch. We weren't up on our switches and um, we were getting our protection behind. It wasn't very good. And we shouldn't have a whole bunch of protection when you're switching. But like I said, we were just step slow. So I wanted to run that clip back, even though it's not from this game against the T-Wolves, it's still kind of talking about the larger component of the fact that, you know, it starts as an individual thing and then it becomes a team issue kind of compounding mm -hmm. on itself. And I thought that Steven Silas's answer was incredibly detailed. One of the, one of the most detailed answers he's given in a post-game presser, really breaking down specifically where the issues are for the team. And one of my takeaways just from hearing him, you know, take the time to really get thorough with that explanation was Steven Silas just understands basketball. Like, you know, some of the takes floating around Rockets Twitter as to, oh, Steven Silas has no idea what he's doing, like this, that, and the other. It's like, no, this man is an NBA coach because he absolutely understands and knows what he's doing. There's certain areas you can critique of him absolutely as far as rotation, player management, maybe things like that, sure. But as far as just knowing the game of basketball and the X's and O's, Steven Silas is a genius. Like, he has forgotten more basketball than I can hope to ever know. And that's that's an opinion that I will gladly take to the grave. But in this game against the Timberwolves, Carl Anthony Town went for 40. He had a 40 piece against the Rockets. And unfortunately, it was because their defensive game plan coming in was to double team him if he really took advantage of them in the post. But he was largely playing five out. He was really, you know, at the top of the key, really dominating the Rockets that way. And also just, you know, breaking them down off the dribble, that kind of thing. So their defensive game plan kind of got thrown out the window, unfortunately, against Cat. Do you know how many threes he had just off the top of your head? For Cat, he had six. Yeah, six. Okay. So, yeah, eight, 18 of his points, of his 40 points, you know, just coming off threes, like you said. And I think he himself called himself the best three-point shooting big of all time. So, you know, as far as, you know, what the scouting report on him should be, he himself is telling you, hey, I'm, I'm out here to shoot some threes. So Also, my that's, apologies. That's he, had be... si he, had, he had six attempts from three. Six attempts? He was, okay. he was four of six, my bad. So four 12 of, of his okay. 40 so 12 coming points. from there. Yeah, but he, gotcha. but he wasn't posting but, up yeah. was the problem. Like, yeah. he was facing up a lot. Yeah, but I mean, same point still stands, right? Like, this guy told you he's going to come out and shoot a lot of threes. Again, you know the – he's very versatile. He does have the face-up game. He does have the post-up game. Um Going back to what Steven Silas said right there, you know, he basically outlined that the issues defensively are at all, all levels fundamentally. He mentioned technique issues. He mentioned communication issues. He mentioned rotation issues. So, you know, like your original point when we started talking about defense, right, this is a, a multifaceted problem. It's not 
oh, let's bring in Miles Turner and the defense is going to be fixed because you have to fix the defense at, at every level, right, and, and get it right. Because if you're not rotating correctly or you're not, you know, like you said, get at the level of the screen, if you're if you're going to hedge it or ice it, or if you're switching, you know, switching smartly, um, you know, you don't want to give up a switch of someone like Cat onto Armani Brooks right in the post, right? You want to be switching when it benefits your team. But I think, it, again, you're going to have to be looking at this problem as a month, if not, you know, longer type of fix. And, you know, they can do things to, to kind of patch in the near term, but it really comes down to relearning technique, make sure they're, making sure they apply it, making sure the communication is there. I think the communication for me, you know, that was something that we've heard a lot was a problem. Um, Tate, when he was out, it seemed like the communication was even worse. Daniel House was a guy, you know, for all the issues that Rockets fans had with Daniel House, when he was on the court, he was a guy that was loud, you know, calling out screens, calling out switches and things like that. And so when you lose a veteran like that, even though maybe he's not missing or he's not making shots and he's missing dunks that, that he should make, he was a, a very critical part of their defense from a communication standpoint. You know, that's something that your average fan isn't considering when you just wave a guy like house and say, Oh, let's get him out of here. I don't like him for the bubble or whatever the case may be. You know, you need guys that are going to communicate and communicate correctly and in early, right. When that big is back there, the guy that's at the point of attack needs to know, Hey, a screen's coming. I need to you know, think what, what I need to do here because at the end of the day, that's what a screen is really about. When you go up and set a screen, you're making the defender make a choice. And so if they're making the wrong choices, that's when it gets like to what you said, where it, this first mistake is now compounded. Someone has to rotate and, and now our defense is out of whack. Ball moves, you know, swing, swing. And then the guy that's in help, you know, picked wrong when the ball's you know in flight. And then now they get an open shot. So, you know, just overall the defense, like we said, you know, multifaceted problem is going to take, multifaceted solution it's going to take guys really wanting to lock in and care about defense and you know like so we have those guys that do care you know tate um josh christopher um even kevin porter jr right kevin porter jr is someone who he's looked a lot better this year defensively and his shot hasn't fallen this year the way it has even last year but i think kevin porter jr the effort that he gives when he's out there defensively has looked a lot better this season and you need that type of buy-in from everyone because like we said, defense is not a it's not a one person activity. You can't just say, "Hey, Jay Shantae, you know, you're gonna defend all five positions at the same time." That's not how it goes. So, hey, so, sometimes he does. Sometimes Jay Shantae is out <laughs> hey, there on, yeah. when they're switching, and he'll guard all five <laughs> of the same guys in one possession. And I, I think I, I think that happened against the Lakers in one possession where one of the Lakers matchups, he he wound up checking like Russ and like AD and LeBron and then like one other guy all in one possession. And I was like, this is the type of defense Jay Sean Tate brings because he can literally guard one <laughs> through five. But um, yeah. I've got one more point here to drop in on the defense before we dive into uh, talking about Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. And we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today using promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up at BetOnline from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers avail available for 2022 bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts 
And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, appreciate you making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Now, for your second listen, go check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Make a little money with Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms, just like this show. Now, let's get in, Don. So, uh, first off, Jalen Green, KPJ, both of them, kind of struggling in this game against the the Timberwolves. Uh, both of them shooting three of 10 from the floor. I mean, wow, they actually have really identical stat lines. That's actually kind of wild. Three of 10 from the floor, one of six from three. Uh, they both made it to the free throw line four times. Kevin Porter Jr. hit two of them. Jalen Green hit three of them out of their four attempts. But, you know, a combined 19 points on just six of 20 shooting, really kind of a rough overall night for them. Uh, three turnovers for KPJ to eight assists. So, I mean, at least there's that. KPJ was, I did feel like kind of, you know, making some solid reads, facilitating really well. There was one that he had where he drove the ball in. And I believe this was during, um, it wasn't during the stretch where Christian Wood caught fire in the third quarter. But so I do believe it was a first half assist, but KPJ drove it in and like sucked in the defense and had this weird, like he whipped the ball out with his left hand. But like from like it was a weird angle. Like and yeah. I was yeah. I was watching at a weird angle too. They put me instead of normally in my usual like media seating, they put me down in the corner where like Jonathan Fagan and Kelly Eco sit. And that was a new experience for me because I was watching the game from like one of the tunnels. And so my yeah. angles were way off from what I'm used to. But it was a really nice pass by KPJ. And I felt like he had a lot of solid reads in this game, but overall the offensive inefficiency was definitely there for both of them in this one. It's not like they didn't have some good looks like KPJ had plenty of solid quality, like looks where he, he just walked into some three pointers that were wide mm. open and just missed them. And then Jalen green, same thing. He created a lot of really solid opportunities and had some solid drives to the rim. But overall the, the three point shot just wasn't falling for him for either of them in this game. So I think Jalen had, you know, six of his points pretty early on in the first quarter. And, and then I think he didn't score again until maybe even close to the second half. He had a lot of drives, kind of like what you mentioned, where he would get in there and the Timberwolves were being very physical with him as a driver. And you could see him getting frustrated. You could see a lot of other guys getting frustrated. You know, Jay Sean Tate caught, I think it was an elbow to, to you know, this part of his eye. Yeah. And then starts leaking. They, they bring the guy over. It looks like a boxing cut man over there, you know, patching him up. Um, so I think they got rattled with all the physicality that the, the Timberwolves presented, th presented them with. But, you know, just in terms of Jalen and KPJ, it seemed like, you know, the team got down and then they really started to press and they were like, I need to, you know, we need to get back in this game. And, you know, KPJ was taking a lot of threes in transition or, you know, he had the ones he was walking into, but it just felt like they were trying to get back in the game so hard that they, they just kind of lost their composure just in terms of how they were shooting the ball. And Jalen, you know, Jalen Green going to the rim is never something I'm going to discourage because, you know, that's really what his game needs to be built around. But, you know, he wasn't able to convert on a lot of those tonight. And, you know, sometimes, hey, it's just not your night. You're not able to get some of those, you know, falling off balance um, layups in. But, you know, from a structural standpoint, like you said, you know, this wasn't the worst played game. I think sometimes shots really don't fall and calls don't go your way. Um, the, the call's not going your way really for Jalen. I think if he's not hitting his threes, then you want him to attack the rim because then he can get to the line. And we've seen games where he's, you know, gained the line, you know, 10 plus times. They're, you're not getting the whistle, you know, 
continue to attack. And if you continue not to get the whistle, then you know, at least you can go to sleep knowing like, Hey, I did everything I could. I attacked the rim because my shot wasn't falling and, you know, we're going to live with the results, but you know, overall, definitely a forgettable game from those two. Um, we'll see what it looks like uh, going into tomorrow night against the Sixers. But, um, you know, just like I said, structurally, I was okay with how the game went from them. You know, you want them to hit shots. Kind of like what I touched on with the the Josh Christopher stuff, Jalen doesn't really have a, a mid-range counter right now. So when he was getting all the way to the rim and the Timberwolves were being very physical with him, that was something where, you know, maybe he could have gotten in there and, and taken some floaters or taken some some pull-up mid-rangers and not had to go into contact, you know, with reckless abandon. But you know, right now that's not a part of his game he has super developed. So that's going to have to, you know, be put on the back burner a little while until he can be more comfortable with those shots. But, you know, I'm not going to hammer Jalen too hard, you know, still his first season. And, you know, KPJ did find a way to impact the game, like you said, as a passer. And, and that's something he really needs to focus on. And one thing I will say is it does seem like KPJ is getting the ball to Jalen specifically less than he was early on in the season. And, you know, I don't know why that is the case. They did have the action at the end of the the Wizards game where, you know, they were running in that same set together. It would have been a, probably a handoff or a pitch to Jalen if if uh, Neto hadn't gone with KPJ. But you know, I'd like to see those guys get involved more. We want to see the Jalen Shingoon actions and you know those guys get involved in stuff together. But I want to see KPJ and Jalen you know get in actions as well and see KPJ really distribute the ball to Jalen because especially when KPJ was out and Shingoon was really the only passer. One thing I was really kind of locked in on and focused on was where these passes are going to guys, right? You know, cause you can get the ball to a guy when he's open, but if it's at his knees or, you know, he has to jump way over his head to catch it, it's going to be a lot more difficult to get that shot off in rhythm. And so KPJ is one of the guys that he has good ball placement on his passes. So that's one guy that you really, especially want to get the ball to Jalen because Jalen, you know, we've seen games, he gets so hot from three and, you know, once he can get going, you just, you know, take a game over. And so, I want to see Jalen and KPJ, you know, interact more offensively in terms of getting the ball to each other. And, you know, we've seen some uh, Jalen lobs from KPJ too. And some of that is going to be built off of getting stops and being able to get out in transition. And the Rockets really weren't able to do that much this game because they were taking the ball out of the net. And, you know, you can run off of makes, but that's really tough to do, especially if the other team is, you know, the other team is going in knowing, hey, the Rockets' offense is not looking good in transition or in the half court right now. We need to really sell out to stop in transition, so they're sending guys back and stopping that transition game. But you know, those are my takeaways from KPJ and Jalen in this game for the most part. I I, I want to you know hit on one more point with with KPJ and Jalen before we close this thing out. But I want to throw in some quick hitters here from the rest of the uh, Rockets team. So Christian Wood. 22 points, eight rebounds, eight of 16 from the floor. He had 17 of his 22 in that third quarter. There, there was, again, largely, I think you can look at this, this game and the Rockets didn't even necessarily have like a bad offensive game, right? You get up 123 points. Like that's a really yeah. solid offensive evening. It was just disastrous on the defensive end. So, you know, overall the offensive production, even in a game where Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green largely struggled, they still got production from guys like Josh Christopher from Jay Sean Tate and some of his really high quality drives and finishes at the rim. He had 10 points, seven rebounds, four assists, had a steal. Um, KJ Martin off the bench wound up getting going for 13 points, seven boards, two assists. So you still had like team wide 
contributions. Gary, uh, Gary Bird off the bench, even though, you know, you highlighted earlier, his shooting hasn't been exactly quite what we'd expect since he came back from health and safety protocols. He still finished 14 points, five of 13 shooting four of 10 from behind the three point line. So 40% yeah. there. So, you know, a decent night at the office for Gary Bird. Take that, um, yeah. But yeah, you know, defensively is when is where the issues are being caused because, like you already alluded to, when they're not when they're taking the ball out of the net, when they're not getting stops defensively, then they can't get out in transition, which is where this team really thrives as a young team with so many transition weapons like Jalen Green, like KPJ, like Christian Wood, who's a good transition big when he can get the ball and get out running, as opposed to you know having to constantly fight for what he's getting you know in the half court setting. Uh, so many other young KMJ as well, guys. KMJ yeah. as well. You know, definitely about, a guy that can destroy the, your team in transition. Absolutely. And Josh Christopher, another one. Like, there's mm -hmm. so many yep. lethal weapons. Even I pretty much down the line, you can say that every single player on this Rockets yeah. team is a good transition player. David Nwaba is great in transition, even mm -hmm. though he tunnel visions sometimes. Gary Bird is great at spotting up in transition and getting to one of his spots, whether it's on the wing or in the corner and being an outlet for other guys who are handling the, the rock in transition. So overall, can't even really be upset at the offensive production from the Rockets in this game, even though, yeah, KPJ and Green had off nights. Overall, the offense, they still could have won off of this game. It was the defense yeah. that was so suboptimal. But with Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, you know, the one thing that I'm curious about, and I tried to get an answer the other day from Steven Silas, and it just, you know, it, it, he wound up, he wasn't like skirting the question, I don't think, but I didn't get a concise answer. I asked, you know, why are we not seeing, you know, what goes into this, the decision to not play you know, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green at the end of some of these games, you know, so that they can get reps basically. And, um, you know, I asked, is, is it, is it about them or is it more about like the other units? And he's, you know, he, he gave me an answer that night that I asked, which wasn't for this game. It was, he basically said, you know, Kevin played a bunch of minutes in the first half and Jalen was going really well, but we just didn't have much pop as a group, which I don't know what to make of that answer, unfortunately, but this was another game where the, you know, it's a gigantic lead for the opposing team and we've got third stringers playing in the third quarter. And I still don't know what to make of that yet. I don't know if there's like a legitimate reason that Steven Silas has that is beyond my understanding as to why Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Alper and Shingoon in second, you know, areas earlier in the season aren't getting that extended, you know, garbage time run. Maybe it's because garbage time isn't as beneficial to their like to their development as fans think it might be. So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't have an answer for that, unfortunately. And I'm not gonna sit here and try and crucify Steven Silas though, for not playing those guys at the end of these games, especially like in this situation, right? They've got a back-to-back -back. they're playing Philadelphia Monday night. Uh, you know, maybe that's a reason why, but I, I also can't quite wrap my head around it. I'd like to see them play at the end of these games, but maybe there's a better reason that he has as to why they're not. So someone pointed out to us in the spaces that, you know, just kind of looking across the, the aisle over at what, the Timberwolves are doing because you know they blew the Rockets out, right? And their starters still got 30 minutes of run in. And you know when Mike D'Antoni was here, <laughs> James Harden was getting his 37 minutes. You know, no matter what, he was he was going to get those minutes and get a, a nice sweat in. And you know, one other thing I do want to mention in terms of you know things that are kind of like mitigating this in Stephen Silas's favor, right? You know, KPJ and Jalen both came off 10 plus game absences due to injury. So I think that is one thing to consider. Um, you know, there was, there was the the, there was the discrepancy between they gave a lot of reasons why Shingun wasn't playing more than twenty minutes as well, and then finally Shingun said out of his own mouth, "Hey, you know, they 
are worried about me redlining, hitting the rookie wall and playing too many minutes. So they're, they're building my minutes long slowly. And so it wouldn't surprise me just because, you know, we have that precedent of the Rockets kind of, you know, downplaying his fitness. Um, that it is something tied to, you know, they're coming back from injury, specifically Jalen's, right? You know, hamstring injuries are very tricky. We've seen Chris Paul and James Harden, two guys that were here, you know, really struggle to come back from hamstring injuries and have to do, in Chris Paul's case, you know, completely change his diet to, to come all the way back from that. You know, the caveat there being Jalen Green is 19 years old, so you'd expect his body to heal better than, you know, a 30-plus-year-old Chris Paul. But, you know, that is one other thing I, I will give them. You know, they're coming off injury. The back-to-back, I understand that. But I think, you know, maybe those aren't the best minutes in terms of development. You're not playing against Joel Embiid or Carl Anthony Towns. But I think in terms of Jalen and Kevin Porter Jr. specifically, those guys just need reps shooting in game. They just need reps practicing the pick and roll in game. And you can do those things in practice. You can watch film with them. But for me, I don't see anything wrong with getting them out there in some low leverage minutes. Just, you know, not necessarily just getting a sweat, but you know, putting them in specific actions where it's like, hey, we need to drill these. We want Jalen more pick and roll reps. We want KPJ more off ball shooting reps. You know, it doesn't have to be they're at 26 minutes now. Push them all the way to 37 minutes, you know, to get them up above 30 minutes. And that's because that's what we saw with the Timberwolves. I think that's I think you're not risking them redlining because if the game was competitive, those guys are going to play, you know, 35, 37 minutes anyway. It just it seems like they're shelving them prematurely. And someone, you know, going back to our space earlier, someone said you know, they're getting the Kawhi Leonard treatment as 19 year olds. And, you know, I, I kind of that kind of resonated with me. It's like, you know, why are you so cautious with? 19 year olds like you're worried about injury I, I get that but if, if it is the injury they're coming off of that that is more understandable from that point but you know I, I think a few more development minutes are going to help and I also think once the trade deadline hits we see some of you know Eric Gordon maybe moved out that does free them up to play even more minutes and, and play a guy like Josh Christopher even more minutes so until the trade deadline hits I'm not gonna you know crucify Steven Silas over this either I, I think will we like to see those minutes yes Jalen and KBJ are also players that have you know, 10, maybe even 15 years ahead of them. They're going to have time to develop. So, you know, five minutes on January 10th, 2022 is not going to be the end of the world either. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty quality way to look at it. And again, I, I have my questions about it. Again, I'd, I'd like to see them play more, but I'm also not going to yeah. sit here and, you know, be uh, upset that they're not playing, you know, the final five or six minutes of a of a 20, 30 point blowout because again, Steven Silas is the head coach and I like to believe that he's got reasons for what he does and the decisions that he makes. So with that, um, Don, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk about this game. I'm sorry that we didn't get to talk about a win. I will, I promise that I'm going to pull you back on at some point later this season when we do have (laughs) a win to be able to talk about and break down and we're not sitting here scratching our heads as to why the Rockets are giving up 31 points in transition to the Grizzlies and allowing a 40 piece for Carl Anthony Towns. But go ahead and let the listeners know where they can track you down at. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Don Knock, D-O-N-K-N-O-C-K. That's where I pretty much put all my stuff at. If you like talking about Rockets basketball after the games, you know, win or lose, we do the Twitter post-game spaces, and, you know, that's a great place. If you're someone that 
you know, you aren't big enough to get on Lockdown Rockets, but you have a lot of things to say and you want to get your voice out there. Hey, come hit us up in the Twitter spaces. And, you know, we let pretty much anyone come in there and talk as long as, you know, you don't don't wild out and say some some super disrespectful stuff. We'll, we'll give people a platform, you know, to make their voice heard. So definitely check me out on, on those two. And again, Jackson, thanks for having me. Um, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed, uh, you know, I, I won't say fulfilling a dream, but it, it's just crazy being someone that, you know, I, I listened to Locked on Rockets. I was one of the earlier podcasts I listened to that in uh, Red Nation Hoops. And now to finally be on the show, it's 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 cool. It's definitely something that you know, I can check that off my list of things I want to accomplish. So, <laughs> Well, Don, we're going to have to bring you back very, very soon. Uh, again, I'll bring you back for a win so we can have some positive vibes <laughs> and stuff to talk about rather than just the team losing. But appreciate you stopping by, man. Absolutely, dude. Peace. All right, that's going to do it for another episode of Locked on Rockets. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. And if you haven't checked it out yet, search Locked on Rockets on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. As always, thank you so much for watching, so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.